This is the London Live Podcast. Listen live weekdays from 1 to 3 on 980 CFPL. Technology is so great until it doesn't work. Well, guess what? Thank you to our engineer Steve Spruill and producer Matt McNaughton, who in behind the scenes, I wish we had a little camera on this, in behind the scenes, they have taken the phones that were not working and they've made them work again. Magic. Steve is magic. I I don't know what it is that he does, but he can walk into a room and things just start working when they weren't. You could hand him your phone if it was at 46%, and just by holding it, I believe that your battery would increase to 72. That's just what he does. He has that that talent. Here is somebody else who has a whole lot of talent and had a whole lot of patience through a lot of conversation last night. Deputy Mayor and Ward 4 Councillor Jesse Helmer joins us to talk masking bylaw right now. Councillor Helmer, how are things? Uh, All things considered, things are pretty good. Uh, Mike, thanks for asking. Thanks for having me on. Well, let's kind of go to some of the questions people are getting to. I just had one submitted by Chris who says, do we know how long masks would be mandatory if this bylaw is passed? He says our numbers can't get lower. He says he's supportive of masks but would have to rethink if it was permanent. Do we have a time frame at all? Yeah, the bylaw that was recommended by the Medical Officer of Health and the city manager uh, suggested the end of 2020, and there was an amendment dealt with last night that said either sort of the earlier of the end of the year or if uh, the rules for Stage 3 are revoked. So if we no longer need rules around Stage 3 uh, in the province of Ontario, the bylaw would not be effective anymore. So you know, conceivably that could be earlier than the end of the year. I guess think if everything goes well and we don't have any need for the rules around Stage 3, um, that could be a bit earlier than the end of the year. And, and there's nothing really stopping Council from if the circumstances on the ground uh, dictated something different from just repealing the bylaw. We we do do that uh, from time to time when we are dealing with bylaws. Um, so the idea is the end of the year, it's not something that's permanent that would go on forever. Uh, it does have a kind of sunset built into the bylaw. So uh, the end of the year is a good rule of thumb. It could be a bit earlier if the rules for stage three were uh, removed at the provincial level. Councillor Helmer, what did you take away from last night's discussion? Anything stick out to you? I was really glad to see uh, such wide and broad support for the masking bylaw at council. You know, ultimately, we spent a lot of time canvassing a lot of the issues, which I think was quite helpful. Um, but we definitely landed with a very strong um, majority, 13 uh, to 1, uh, in favor of the masking bylaw. And I think that that shows how seriously council is taking uh, the issue. I know that many of my colleagues are reluctant to introduce these kind of coercive measures. You know, I think at all levels of government, uh, there's been a lot of actions taken to try and control the spread of coronavirus in the community. Um, I know everyone who's exercising these powers wants to be very cautious in how that they are how they're used. I think we heard some of that uh, last night, um, and I think that it's a good step forward in terms of preparing for a strong recovery and trying to prevent and minimize uh, you know, any future resurgence, because we're very lucky to have low levels of disease in the community. That's because of the actions lenders have taken, some of them very significant actions, You know, not being able to see your loved ones in long-term care homes, entire businesses shut down for uh, months. Um, people have had very significant impacts on their uh, freedoms and their mobility in the community. Um, you know, We have the U.S. border shut down uh, between Canada and the U.S. Um, those are very significant impacts, and I think... 
because of those sacrifices, because of the steps people have made, the decisions taken at different levels of government, we've been able to manage uh, fairly well through the spread of coronavirus in the first wave. Unfortunately, there's no vaccine uh, at this point. We are looking at the possibility of a, a second wave, uh, and I think we have to do everything we can to prevent uh, that resurgence and minimize uh, that impact because the last thing we want to see is another shutdown, you know, going backwards to uh, uh, what we saw at the beginning of the pandemic, which was a very severe uh, response from uh, all levels of government. London Deputy Mayor and Ward 4 Councillor Jesse Helmer joining us. Councillor Helmer, finally, as we look at tonight and if as expected this bylaw is passed people have a lot of questions about enforcement what can you tell us about enforcement i can say the uh chief uh, municipal law enforcement officer uh, oris katolik weighed in on this issue when he was asked about it and uh, i know that many members of council want to make sure that we're not um, immediately going to you know laying of charges and you know these kind of uh, ways of enforcing uh, bylaws, and that's the general approach of the municipality when it comes to all uh, kinds of bylaws. Is that first we try and educate people, we explain what the rules are, um, and a lot of times that's all that's needed. Is you need to just point out, especially in a situation where the rules have been changing quite significantly. You know, up until very recently, there's no requirements to wear masks like this. This is a new thing, and we're going to expect not everyone is going to know uh, what the rules are. So, uh, Mr. Katolik emphasized the first step is always education. Um, second step is really warning, right? So, you know, if you, you know what the rules are, we're going to give you a warning, uh, make sure that uh, people uh, comply. And if there's a situation where there's repeated uh, situation, for example, it's very clear the person does know what the rules are, they have been warned, uh, the, the sort of final step in enforcement would be actually levying a charge. And, and so that's the general approach of the municipality, um, has been throughout much of the pandemic in terms of the response to enforcing the um, uh, provincial orders. You know, the province has put a lot of rules in place and it falls to municipal bylaw enforcement to enforce a lot of those rules. And that is the approach that uh, Mr. Katolik has been taking. And that's what he said uh, last night at our committee meeting, uh, that that's what the approach he'll take with this uh, bylaw as well. All right. Well, Councillor Helmer, thank you so much for the update on this. Uh, how does tonight's proceeding work? Is this just one small thing in a, a regular council meeting done on Zoom again? Yeah, we're going into the council meeting. We're dealing with a number of committee reports, including this one. We had an SPPC meeting uh, last week, and then we had another one this week at the special meeting to deal with the masking bylaw. Really appreciated the work of the Medical Officer of Health and uh, Civic Administration to turn that around so quickly. Uh, really, really good work to get us um, to the point where we could discuss it last night. So we'll deal with this and a number of other matters coming in from other committees uh, tonight's council meeting. It will be on Zoom, so if members of the public want to tune into the YouTube uh, stream, they're, they're welcome to do that. Well, that's out there, and certainly this is a, a monumental meeting for no other reason than a masking bylaw could come out of it. Councillor Helmer, thank you so much for the time today. Thanks very much, Mike. That is Ward 4 Councillor and Deputy Mayor Jesse Helmer. So tonight, that's expected to pass, and then it is about education, it is about warning, and then it would be about perhaps dealing with people who were not paying attention to the education, not heeding the warning as it comes to punishment for not wearing masks in indoor spaces in London. So if you are a sports fan in any way, get ready for this nice little 
COVID break that we're going to take. I don't know if you've seen the weekend that will feature July 31st on the Friday night, August 1st on the Saturday, and August 2nd on the Sunday. There is going to be more sports on TV and radio and laptop screens and phones and tablets than we have had access to, and I don't know, since you were able to buy those sports packages. Only you won't need to have the massive sports package. It's going to be everywhere. NHL, NBA, there's going to be MLB, there's going to be MLS still, and it will be into its round of 16 of its tournament, provided everything goes okay. Joining us right now to talk about how everything is going and get us a little more set for some Blue Jays baseball that doesn't quite count yet tonight is Ben Nicholson-Smith from Sportsnet.ca. Ben, thanks for being here. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Ben, for everybody who's paying very close attention to Major League Baseball right now, what's the feeling? Is everybody fairly optimistic, or do you still sense apprehension of is everything going to be okay? Where does that kind of sit? You know, I think uh, first and foremost, it's just great to have baseball back, and and the circumstances obviously are pretty complicated, and the state of the U.S. right now, as we all know, is far from ideal, but to even see... Nate Pearson on the mound tonight at Fenway Park. I mean, it will be fun. There's a, there's a part of us, obviously, that loves sports and loves watching that competition. So that's great. But I do think along with that, there's a bit of apprehension around how can they get in a 60-game schedule even. There are a lot of considerations here when you're thinking about, in the Blue Jays' case, where do they play? And even more broadly, you have the question of how do you keep these players safe? How do you make sure that there's, there's not an outbreak of COVID-19 or on one or more teams? And we've seen a lot of cases so far. The numbers are not too bad right now in Major League Baseball, but these things can shift pretty quickly, and they haven't even started traveling yet. Before we get to where they might play, because they still don't know that, fortunately they have a couple of series that uh, that start away from home, so that will at least buy a little time. How is it that you and everybody else is able to cover the Blue Jays? You're not in Boston right now. I am in Toronto. Yeah, it is It is very different. It is very different. I mean, it's been a lot of Zoom calls. Um, even when they did have the stadium open in Toronto for training camp, we were nowhere near the players themselves. It was all via Zoom. You know, you're, you're in the same building as these guys, but you're still doing a remote video call uh, to, to ask them questions about how they're doing, what they expect from the season. So that will continue. My uh, expectation is that I will not be traveling with the team at this point, and I don't expect that a lot of, I don't expect honestly any Toronto-based media to be traveling with the team. I think that when you look at the border issue, when you look at the state of the U.S. versus Canada, you start to run into health insurance issues, you start to run into all kinds of logistical issues around quarantine. It's just a really tough thing to do. So my, my expectation is that we're going to be covering this season basically from our home offices. Interesting. Well, it'll be a unique experience for sure, and you know what? You guys are pros. You'll still have great coverage for us. Ben Nicholson-Smith joining us from Sportsnet.ca. Let's talk about where the Blue Jays might be going. They've been told by the federal government, not going to be Toronto, not going to have games played there. So we've heard Buffalo, we've heard Dunedin, we've heard Pittsburgh, we've heard a few other parks mentioned. What's the latest on that? Yeah, right now the Blue Jays are trying to find a major league stadium to share with another team. And they have looked at all kinds of different options in their search for uh, a temporary home, a summer home. 
And the players have said that they would prefer to be in a major league facility. I mean, they're not going to have the luxury of sleeping in their own beds. They're not going to really have a lot of the comforts of home, but they'd rather do that from a major league stadium as opposed to a minor league stadium, which is smaller, fewer amenities. So that leaves the Blue Jays targeting really a couple locations right now. One of them is Pittsburgh, and the Pirates have, have said very publicly that they're open to sharing their space with the Blue Jays, and the schedule would permit for the, the teams to both uh, coexist there for most of the season. There are a few dates overlapping, so that's one spot. And then beyond that, you've got Baltimore, which would be another uh, beautiful stadium. I mean, these are both, like, really, for, for those of us who are watching on TV, you could hardly ask for two nicer parks than Camden Yards and PNC Park. And, and so those are the two considerations right now. Unclear when that's going to get re- resolved, but I would expect in the, in the next couple of days. And at that point, the priority is to try to find a major league spot. And as we said, things at least buy a little bit of time because it's at the Rays for Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, at the Nationals for Monday and Tuesday, and then that home opener, if we can even call home field anything for anybody, uh, it would be Wednesday the 29th against the Washington Nationals. Ben Nicholson-Smith with us from Sportsnet.ca. Ben, as far as the what-ifs go. How much information has been circulated about what if a team does have an outbreak? Because you do have players who are not in bubbles to any great extent in the cities that they're playing in. There is travel. The Blue Jays have gone to Boston now. So what if there is a problem? Do you see much evidence of that, or is that something that might be decided behind the scenes and then told to everybody once a what-if takes place? Yeah, my sense is that this would be something that Major League Baseball adjusts to on the fly. I haven't seen you know, a really clearly delineated plan as far as, hey, if five players on the team get COVID, then the team stops traveling. Or if 10 players can't play, then they suspend the game or forfeit a game. Or if a team has to forfeit 10 games, then what happens? I mean, these to me are more questions that we might run into uh, than, than they are anything that we have a lot of certainty around. So at this point, you know, Major League Baseball obviously working very hard to make sure that this doesn't happen and that players don't get it. But when you're going into hotspots like St. Petersburg, Florida, or Texas, or Miami, or Atlanta, the, the numbers are not good in those places. And so that does introduce anyone in that environment to, to more risk than they would experience if they're playing in Toronto or just staying at their own house. Yeah, that's tough. That is tough. We may have lost Ben. I'm th- Ben, are you still with us? No, I think we did lose Ben. So some really interesting things in terms of how they will adjust on the fly. And you would think, well, how would they even have that in place? Major League Baseball and the National Football League are one type of how pro sports plan to play. The MLS, and by the way, Toronto FC tied this morning, so they have to wait for the outcome of the Montreal Impact match tonight to know where they will be going into the round of 16, but looks very much like they will be in the round of 16. And so we have Major League Baseball and the NFL going one way. We have the NHL, the NBA, and Major League Soccer going another way. When things got going in this pandemic... Here in Ontario, we knew we had a large population, but we knew there were other provinces that had large populations, and we looked out at B.C. and we said, wow, 
Are they ever doing a good job? And we looked at Alberta and said, wow, look at all these things that Alberta has. Look at how digital their healthcare system is. Boy, now that we've really paid attention to that, once this is all over, we want to make sure and do something similar because things are working really well. They were able to count up all the masks and PPE they had and start sending them to other places like Ontario and Quebec. So we've been keeping an eye on what has been happening in provinces like B.C. and Alberta. And right now, there is a reason to take a look west again, simply because we have seen a rise in case counts in Alberta and to some extent in B.C. Joining us to talk about that and and maybe look at some of the things that are happening there that maybe we can avoid having happen here is Julia Wong, who is a global news reporter in Edmonton. Julia, thank you so much for taking some time out for us. No problem. Happy to be here. We are big fans of Alberta and B.C., and you guys have been doing a a fantastic job, but we've seen numbers start to rise, and it's not just one day or or two days. Can you tell us what you've seen in Alberta maybe over the last four days? Yeah, and so I'll I'll actually take us back a little bit to May, um, because that's when we had started to see a slight drop in the number of cases um, in our province, and we were in the double digits pretty much until very recently. So starting on Thursday is when we started to see cases come back up into the triple digits. So we saw 120 new cases on Thursday. That's the highest that we've had in the province since May 2nd. And since then, we've continued to kind of uh, keep numbers around that level. So Friday, Saturday, Sunday, um, the number of cases in the province continued again to be in the triple digits each day. Now, just yesterday, we dipped a little bit to 97, but still quite high, higher than we have seen in the province for the last several weeks, the last several months. Okay, and in in people kind of looking around and trying to figure out what is attributing to this, what's being mentioned? So we're hearing a few different things from our Chief Medical Officer of Health. Um, one summer hit, obviously more people were getting out because we could, um, and then we started to see more cases in, in bars and restaurants. That's when sort of the first flag was raised, that there were more cases in people who were 20 to 29 and 30 to 39, and that was being attributed to the fact that people could go back out to bars again. Um, we also heard from our Chief Medical Officer of Health last week that this could be due to fatigue. You know, we've been in the situation for several months, and frankly, people are starting to get a little bit tired, tired of the same messaging that we've been hearing for days on end and tired of having to deal with public health measures like social distancing. And so what we heard from uh, Dr. Dina Hinshaw last week was that she was very concerned and, you know, she's been very measured throughout this whole time. So hearing her say again and again last week just how concerned and how worried she was, was quite startling, I think, for many Albertans. And she said several times that she was worried that people are not social distancing, that they're not doing all the different things that we've been told to do over the last few months. And and that is definitely something that people are, are looking at right now. Julia Wong joining us, investigative reporter for Global News in Edmonton. As we look at a bit of a rise in case counts, and you know what? We're I think everybody in the world is feeling this. You get a little tired. You get a little sick of always doing the same things. But at the same time, we have all of that being stressed by our public health units. What do you feel the reaction has been from individuals based on these higher case counts? Do you think that people are looking at it and saying, "Uh uh-oh, or are they saying, I'm still sick of this and I'm not the one who's sick, I don't care? I think 
the sense that we're getting here is that it, it is a little bit of both. There are some folks who, once they saw cases were going back up, were like, oh, wow, okay, so what we're doing is really making a difference. So we need to really buckle down and remember that we're in this for the long haul. And then on the flip side, you have folks and who are thinking, well, you know, we're opening up, we're opening the province back up, people are interacting more. So yeah, of course, this is going to happen. That's because we're, we're getting back out there again, after months of having businesses closed down of having people not working. And, and this is just sort of the price that you have to pay for having a, an economy reopen. Julia, are there any threats at all maybe threats is the wrong word but is there any discussion about perhaps changing the way bars and restaurants are working right now not specifically to bars and restaurants we've heard from our chief medical officer of health that if we see you know sustained increases when it comes to hospitalizations and icus we could see a return of some of those restrictions that we saw earlier this year but at the same time, we haven't heard any specific details about what would come back, how specifically um, these restrictions would be, you know, who would be affected and, and that type of thing. So I wouldn't say, you know, there's threats per se, but I, I think that it is being stressed right now from uh, Dr. Hinshaw that if this continues and if things get worse, then we may have to go back to what we dealt with earlier this year, but they, they aren't releasing those specifics at this time. Okay. And just so that we're clear, how do large gatherings and how do restaurants and bars work right now? How many people can you have at a large gathering? So for restaurants and bars, first off, um, they actually lifted the restrictions um, as to how many people could be in them. Originally, you know, they were at 50% capacity and that type of thing. But as we moved into the various phases of our reopening, that has changed. Um, and as for the larger gatherings, I believe right now if they're, they're indoor, outdoor, it's about 150 to 200. But again, if you do gather in those sizes, you still have to follow public health measures, like make sure you physically <laughs> distance and wear a mask if you don't. Julia, this has been great. Thank you so much for the update on how things are going in Alberta. Please stay safe. Thank you. You guys take care, too. That's Julia Wong, investigative reporter for Global News out of Edmonton. So what do we learn from that? I think the thing you have to look at is what have they changed? They've gone a little further than we have. And if this becomes a trend, and again, like we talked about at the beginning of the show, this is not trying a piece of birthday cake for the very first time and believing this is what all birthday cake is like. That's just too small a slice. This is looking at something and saying, okay, what are the trends? As Dr. Mackey always points out with the Middlesex London Health Unit, got to look at the data. Got to look at the data. And so you've got to look at enough of a sample size. But if they do continue to see increases, they have to look at the idea that, okay, what have we done that has made significant change? They have no restrictions in bars and restaurants other than the social distancing. So there isn't a real restriction on anything there. And they can have larger gatherings. Everybody's asked to social distance, but depending on where those large gatherings are, that gets challenging. So that's something that Alberta is doing, and they're doing differently. And then you've got the fatigue, and you've got the fatigue of young people. And that's something that is going to matter here in a little over a month more than it has in any other time. Why is it going to matter? 
because the students come back. And southwestern Ontario, specifically London, when the students come back, you have people who don't have a lot of patience for being told what to do because they're still in those invincible years. They're still somewhere between the ages of 18 and 22, 23, 24. They always say that guys don't have their brains fully formed until 25. Uh, some, I don't think we ever get there. I don't, I'm still waiting. But you have a case where you're going to have a lot of people, and if they're having house parties, if they're getting together, if they're saying, look, I'm sick of this, I'm coming from this place that has had a whole lot of cases, and I'm now in London, Ontario, you guys have none, this is the place I want to be, and we're going to just live it up. That's a problem. That's a big problem. And I hope that Western and Fanshawe are ready to deal with that problem somehow. I don't know how you do it because everything that's happening is happening off campus. You have to rely on these young people. You know, what's it going to take? 250 people in the emergency room, 250 people testing positive to say, woo, they're making a difference. I hope it doesn't happen. But you look at how things have been fueled in bars, in nightclubs. There was a story in Edmonton done by Global News not too long ago where six people at one particular bar had tested positive. Do you want to know what they figure happened? You had someone who came in who was positive for COVID-19, and they sat down at a table, and then five employees at the end of their shift sat down at that same table. That's all it takes. And by the end of the night, six for six. Everybody had it. And then who knows where the spread goes from there. So... That's just kind of what's what's happening out there. I think we stick where we are right now. I hope, as we heard yesterday from Carol, who operates GTs on the beach, and I thought she made a great point in this. If everybody does what they're supposed to do, no problem. Everybody does. If everybody social distances, if we have masking, no problem. We're okay. It's when you start seeing that doesn't affect me. I'm 19. That doesn't affect here. We had one case today. That's where you start running into problems. You've been listening to the London Live podcast. Catch the show live on weekdays from 1 to 3.